0: Book of Ephesians once again this morning, Ephesians chapter number two, and as I've already mentioned, and uh, most of you, I'm certain, are aware, uh, this is message number five from this uh, chapter. The first part of this chapter, uh, we started. We started several weeks ago. Lord, just put this uh, little, these little thoughts on my heart, and I thought it'd be good for us to uh, go through uh, this. Uh, half of a chapter and I've kind of given this the title of by grace because of mercy and just putting a focus on the grace of God uh, by which we have salvation and by his mercy uh, we can have salvation and uh, this uh, morning uh, I believe it'll be an important message that will tie in with uh, our, uh, our emphasis on Uh, missions today, and so I'm going to go over a couple of things with you as far as missions before I preach, and then tonight I want to encourage you to be back because I'll spend the entire service tonight focusing on our missions program and uh, the direction that we are going to take. But as I mentioned in Sunday school, uh, over the past, uh, at least it's been at least a year, the Lord's been working in my heart on some uh, missions, uh, things, and directions with us as a church. Uh, As you know, over the last few years, the Lord has certainly uh, brought some missions things to us, church planning in Africa. We have our uh, our missions uh, to the Spanish-speaking nations, and then the Lord's been adding some other things, and the Lord has just kind of brought it all to a point and a direction. And tonight... I'll take, uh, the service will be, my message will cover uh, all of these things and give us a good direction that I think you'll be excited about. And there's some significant things I'll mention tonight that I just won't have time in this morning. So I'd encourage you to be back tonight if, if you if you just cannot be here Please tune into the live stream so that you know what's going on, but it's certainly going to be exciting. I'm very excited about it. So I want to show you a couple of, of slides, and so if you can put the, the first one up for me, it's to remind us uh, what we're calling our missions program from here on out is the Great Commission Mission. And so when we refer to missions, we're talking about the Great Commission Mission. Um, I'm afraid, and I'll, I'll get very specific tonight, I'm afraid we as churches through the decades and even generations, we've separated missions from the Great Commission, right. Right. and missions is the Great Commission. Right. Right. We are all to be missionaries. I remind you what I preached on for uh, 29 sermons, the Great Commission, go ye therefore and teach all nations, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Missions is to start right here with us. Uh, Isn't it amazing that we, uh, not we specifically, but we generally as churches, we want a missionary we support to go across the ocean, and we want them to have goals to reach people. We want them to have goals to double. We want them to have all these goals, but we don't want to have those goals ourselves. Uh, It starts at home. It starts with the Great Commission. Uh, We support missionaries who are involved in the Great Commission. And so uh, that's something that I'll talk more about tonight. And if you go ahead and show the next slide, Uh, just trying to whet your appetite a little bit. There's some goals and some vision uh, to to put with that. Uh, Our goal through the Great Commission mission is to train thousands of soul winners. Uh, we have a training program here. Uh, I want everyone in our church to be a soul winner and know how to win a soul. Whether you can go out on Sunday morning or Saturday morning with everybody else or not, or whether you go out on Thursday or not, I want everybody to know how they can how to win a soul to Christ. We want to help facilitate the planning of hundreds of churches. We're already doing this with Operation Light, uh, with Reaching Spanish Nations um, uh, ministry. We're helping uh, assist Church planters, we've started a church out of our church that's meeting this morning, at the same time that we're meeting. Uh, and so that's where the old chairs went, is to our church plant. And so they're praying that we get new chairs sooner than we got these chairs. But uh, uh, so we, we are involved in that and we want to help uh, because the answer is that I've preached this through the year, the answer is not political, the answer is to the church. Uh, The answer is through God's people, and so we want to help facilitate the planting of hundreds of churches. That's why uh, a lot of our missions is geared toward helping uh, churches get planted, not just here in the United States, but around the world. We want to provide training materials uh, for national pastors nationwide. Uh, We are spoiled in America. Uh, I have more Bibles in my office on my bookshelf then there's churches I've preached in in other countries that they have in their entire church. We are spoiled with the materials we have. You can go back there in the four year and you can fill your purse up with gospel tracts. There are churches that are meeting that do they don't have that. Uh, it's a great tool for you and I, isn't it? Uh, so we want to help, and the Lord has, through the years, been putting ministries in our church that is going to help us accomplish this, and then assist foreign churches to become self-sustained, uh, meaning uh, they're sustained so they can—they're they, not depending on, on, on financing from the United States of America. They're, they are—they they are starting churches on their own, and I believe this is uh, more of God's plan. Say, Pastor, how are we going to do that? You have to come back tonight, and uh, there's a very specific plan that we are going to be fulfilling, uh, putting into place to do this. And so uh, all of that, is, and I'm going to show you how we can train thousands of soul winners. Say, Pastor, we don't even have, we don't have that many here. Well, we're, we want to do them around the world. I'm going to tell you how we're going to do that tonight, help plant churches. My goal, I've asked the Lord, this is what I'm praying for, and and, 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 and you, you can join me in praying for this. But I think it'll be a wonderful thing as we move forward with a great commission mission that we'll incorporate missionaries we're already supporting into this. Um, we'll, 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 we Lord willing, Lord, allow us to send other missionaries, but I think in the day that we live in, the, our church can be very active in this. Um, I, I'm just asking the Lord, would you allow us for the Great Commission mission to have a part uh, before Jesus comes back to see a million souls be saved? Wouldn't that be a wonderful, wonderful thing? Um, you say, Pastor, you mean a million souls here? I'd be happy with a million people walking down this aisle. We can say it, the chairs are going to be full by then, but you know, I'd be happy with that. But you know, church. Every time we have—that's what the Great Commission is. If we train somebody that wins a soul, they turn around and win a soul. We have a part in that. Uh, we 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 are independent. we we're we we believe in that, and I do believe in that. But that does not mean we do it all ourselves. We're not capable of doing it all ourselves. And so that's what I'm praying for. That's what I'm asking the Lord for. And so tonight uh, I'm going to, the Lord has already put, I don't want to scare you. pastor says going to announce a couple of things. What else are we doing? I'm not announcing anything new. The Lord has already put here what he's wanted here. And he's just now given the wisdom to see how it all goes together. You know, when you, you start, a, you might put a puzzle, puzzle. I like those puzzles that say, you know, up to six years of age. And I have those Wood puzzle blocks, and I'm trying to figure that out. You put together a, a puzzle. My wife likes to do, do puzzles, and so you put it out there. And she's like, "Help me!" And I'm like, "What in the world?" And I don't, I don't have the patience to sit there and study something. But you know how it is. And I use this sometime in my counseling. You find that one piece, and when that one piece goes in, everything else. Ah, oh, now I see where this goes. See where this goes. And so uh, tonight, I'm going to share. Uh, that, that this evening, it'll be part of the service. I, I believe, I'm excited about it. I believe you'll be excited about it. And we'll see how God ties all this together. So I want you to be, begin praying about that now, the Great Commission mission. And I believe the Lord has, uh, he's put this in my heart for us in our church. Uh, if we're, it, to, to kind of, you know, if it lead the way in this to do what we need to do, I'm going to introduce some of this at the Preacher's Delight Conference. And so we can get a lot of people on board to just fulfilling the Great Commission. The world would be reached if churches just fulfilled the Great Commission. Uh, that, that is the, the revelation. tonight I'm going to preach on. We need a, a missions revolution. And, uh, and, it, and it may surprise you how that goes this evening, but uh, I'll be preaching on that tonight. And so uh, uh, thank, you, thank you, Brother Dave. Let's look back at Ephesians chapter number 2. And my message is should remind us of why we need to do what I just reminded us is our purpose, reaching the world with the gospel to reaching families here locally, but to rejoice when we hear of families being saved in another part of our country, another part of the world. Uh, we ought to be re- we're going to be reminded of some things this morning. I want us to look at Ephesians chapter number 2. I'll read very quickly because I've spent some time uh, talking about those things. I want to read very quickly down to verse number 10, so follow along with me if you will. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love, or with He loved us, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. And hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. I want you to look at verse number 1, and we'll spend most of our time this morning in the first three verses. Notice verse number 1. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. That word quickened means to be made alive. Made alive. You hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. This morning, I want to preach on a message I've entitled, It's a Matter of Life and Death. It's a Matter of Life and Death. Father, I pray that you would use the message this morning. May we be reminded of what we were before we found Christ. Or should I say before Christ found us. And Father, I pray that we would be reminded of our own salvation. Boys, we're reminded that the fact that we were dead and we were without hope, we have got to rejoice in the fact that we have a God who loves us and sent His Son to pay our sin debt. We must also be reminded that those who have yet to receive Christ, they're in the same condition we were in. According to your word, dead in trespasses and sins. May we be reminded that we're saved in grace and mercy is a matter of life and death. It's a matter of life and death, eternal death, for those who've yet to receive Christ. May we be reminded of this this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a matter of life and death. I'm sure we've all heard that phrase, heard that saying. It puts urgency. That's important information, a phrase like that. It's a matter of life and death. You call a loved one to... Tell them about another loved one and say, Oh, they're in the hospital. Those next words are very, very important. If you're to follow, they, they're in the hospital and you're to follow that with well, everything's okay, and, and we just, they're just getting running some tests. Okay, there's some concern there. But if you say they're in the hospital, but well, well, should I come? It's a matter of life and death. There's an urgency. Nothing else has to be said or explained. All the questions that would follow, we'll ask later because we know there's an urgency. Something has to be done. I need to stop what I'm doing, shift all of my focus to the matter of life and death. And friend with it comes to the souls of men. It is a matter of life and death but more so than just a physical life and a physical death. The Bible teaches here that we are physically, are spiritually dead until we experience God's grace and His mercy. See, grace and mercy are not just two buzzwords for social media today or two buzzwords for home decor. Grace and mercy are a matter of life and death. If it were not for God's grace, there would be no eternal life. Right. If it were not for God's mercy, you and I would not have hope in eternity and experiencing that eternal life. Right. See, the Bible tells us that we were dead in our sins. We were dead without hope. But the Bible, and Paul is reminding the church at Ephesus of the grace of God and the mercy of God. And part of how he reminds them is reminding them of what they were before they experienced God's grace. Friend, how many of you are saved this morning? You're on your way to heaven. It's good to be reminded of what we were before the grace of God. Because we forget what we have in the grace of God. We forget how wonderful the mercy of God is and how we don't deserve His mercy. We don't deserve His unmerited favor but <clears throat> by being reminded of what we were, boy, it sure makes amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Oh, it sure makes those words mean a whole lot. That saved a wretch like me. Well, you can't give a proper, att- proper attention to grace and mercy without being reminded of what we were. In these first several verses in this passage of Scripture, I want us to see what we were compared to what we are, and give us a few truths this morning that I think will be a help to us. There's a phrase in here that as I <clears throat> begin studying through this chapter that caught my attention. In verse number 2, it says, "Wherein in time past. Notice that. He reminds them that in time past. He goes on, and in, in a little bit later, he reminds them of the same, in time past. At, before grace, see, now, now, now we've been saved. We're his workmanship, and God's done a work in our life, and we rejoice in our own salvation. But Paul is very quick to say, in times past, that's not what you were. In times past, that's not how you were. And I believe there's two reasons for this. One, there's always been false teaching that that, that we can save ourselves, and it's in us. And Paul is reminding the church and all of us, and God reminds us today, that it is in Christ or it's not at all. You're either saved through Christ by the grace of God, or you're not saved at all. Right. We have the opportunity to be saved because of His mercy. But I want us to notice something here, and this, this should bring some soberness to this matter of life and death. And for us to rejoice in our salvation, but at the same time, I mean, we should rejoice in what God brought us from. He quickened us. He gave us life. But also be reminded that before grace and mercy, what we were, but more importantly, a world that is still dead in their sins. As I study this chapter, I find there's two worlds. I find a world in verse number 2. Where in a time past you walked according to the course of this world. And then in verse number six, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. Paul is making a comparison. There's two worlds, but when you were dead, you were according to one world. But after grace and mercy, you belong to another world. I find two spirits. In verse number 2, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Notice this, the spirit, with a little s, that now worketh in the children of disobedience. The prince of the power of the air is Satan himself and all those demons and devils, that work for him, under him, all those that were thrown out of heaven, that is the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. What Paul is saying is when you were dead, you belonged to a world that was ruled, is ruled by a spirit that worked in you and led you because it governs this world. I find that spirit. But then I also find... A spirit, as we read of grace, and we read of mercy, and, and, and the Bible teaches us, and, I, and I'll give us a verse in just a moment, teaches, teaches us in other passages that that, that which is quickens us is a spirit that makes us alive. But notice with me in verse number 18. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. So it is the Spirit of God that does the work in your heart and my heart. It's the Spirit of God that brings man to conviction. It's the Spirit of God that convicts a lost man, that lets him know he's on his way to hell. It's the Spirit of God. We put our faith and trust in Christ, for through him we both have access by one Spirit. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In the same chapter, he tells his disciples he is leaving them but another is coming, the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of God that would do the work in man and do the work in the hearts of man. In Acts chapter number 1, he ascends to heaven after telling his church, his disciples, to get the power of the Holy Ghost, then go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost. They pray for the power of the Spirit. Miracles are done through the Spirit of God. What were the miracles? It wasn't the fact that there was somebody who spoke in some unknown tongue because that didn't happen. When those men heard the different tongues, they heard in their own language a man that did not speak his language. That was not the miracle of the Spirit of God. What was the miracle of the Spirit of God? It was the Spirit of God who empowered those preachers and convicted the hearts of the lost man. Then when they trusted in a risen Savior, they were made alive. They were quickened by His Spirit. There's two spirits. There's one spirit that keeps the dead dead. There's one spirit that gives the dead life. I find two conversations. Conversation in the, by a Bible definition, is not a conversation necessarily words that are being exchanged between two people. I had a good conversation with my friend. I had a, you know, it means a manner of life. It's the way they live, their manner of living. We find one conversation, look with me in verse number three, among whom also we had, all had our conversation in times past. Paul saying, Before the Spirit made you alive, you lived in a different world that was governed by a spirit. That, keep, that keeps you dead and wants the world to be dead. In that world, before you were saved, your manner of living was this. Your conversation in time passed in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind. That is one manner of living. Whatever I want to do, I'm going to do it. There's another manner of living in this verse of Scripture. Uh, It is in verse number 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I I taught on this in previous weeks. That spirit that made us alive works in us, makes us something that we were not before. And we could not be without Jesus Christ, without His grace, without His mercy. You cannot turn over a good leaf, as the saying goes, and become what only Christ can make you. You can't change your ways without the Spirit of God quickening you, making you alive. And then that same Spirit, that same grace, whereby we're saved, works in you, so there's a work there created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So instead of living by the lust of our flesh, we live, I have another conversation now, another manner of living, unto good works. It's not about what we want. It's not about what we determine. Christ has saved me, the Spirit's working in me. I, he's changing me to do what works for him. We've seen there's two worlds. We see there's two spirits. We see there's two conversations. There's also two natures. Verse number three, among whom... Now, bear in mind, in verse number two, he's reminding them in time past, before you were made alive. Verse three, among whom also we had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature... The children of wrath. There's two natures. By nature, they were born into being children of wrath. I'll explain this more towards the end of the message. But a child of wrath is one who's waiting on the judgment of God. He is already positionally a child of wrath. Wrath is going to come. God's judgment against sin. God's judgment against the rejection of His Son. That is what is awaiting everyone born into this world. Everyone who is dead, they are automatically born a child of wrath. But the second nature, verse number 8. I happen to like this verse. I don't know about you. For by grace... Are ye saved? That word saved. There is a nature, the children of wrath, meaning that their future, their hope, it have no hope other than the chastisement of God. The judgment of God. And quite frankly, this morning, this is a world that doesn't like to hear the judgment of God. And even Christians, they, 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 they get a little bit uncomfortable when we say that, that those without Christ are awaiting the judgment of an almighty God who will judge sin and judge it for eternity through hell. For by grace, though, are you saved. I was by nature, a child of wrath. But I am now saved by grace. I'm a child of God. How did I become a, from a child of wrath to a child of God? I got saved. How did you get saved? By grace. Well, if you get saved, do you deserve to be saved? No. That's where grace comes in. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, why would God do that? Because of His mercy. Because He's willing to grant mercy because of the sacrifice of His Son. So, follow me very carefully. There's two worlds. There's this world and the world of heavenly places. There's two spirits. There's the prince of the power of the air and His spirit and the Holy Spirit. There's two conversations, manner of living. They lost the dead in their sins. They just live to do whatever makes them happy. Friend, that's why we should not follow the counsel of this world because it has two conversations, right. two manners of living. Right. If the Spirit of God works through us, there should be the good works for Him. There's the two natures. One obviously, one obviously is a world of death. A spirit of death. A conversation of death. A nature of death. I'm talking about spiritual death. And By the way, let me just interject this. Christian, if this was the world we were saved from, why in the world do we want to live like this world? Why in the world do we want to follow the counsel of this world? If you you believe the Bible this morning, everything that comes out of this world is by the spirit of Satan himself. Parents, don't let this world dictate to you how you dress your children, what music your children listen to, what lifestyle your children live after. I don't understand why those who were dead and God saved them from that world to sit in heavenly places, why do we want to run back to that world and let them pattern everything in our life? That would be as foolish as you and I loading up and going to the cemetery and say, let me take counsel on how to rear my children. Give me some advice on how to get through the day. Give me some advice. I'm waiting. Why? Because dead people aren't talking. Dead people got nothing to offer. This world is nothing but death. That's where grace and mercy come into play. Amen. Because it is a matter of life and death. You cannot sit in the middle of life and death. It's life or death. Right. And when we, before we were saved, we were, we were dead in our tr- trespasses and sins. Now, I am out of time. But I'm going to make my four statements and we'll go home. About 2.30, but we'll, get, we'll go home. Statement number one. Without grace and mercy, the world is dead. Christian, do not get distracted. We live in a day of technology. We live in a day we can keep up with everything. We live in a heightened political season. I like politics. But I have to be careful because my hope is not in politics. I'm interested in it. I, as you know, I like I've studied, I studied history. I read history. It's interesting to me. But that's from, of this world down here. Not this world up here. Say, so what happens if, if this election or that election goes a certain way? We're still going to tell people about Jesus. Because without grace and mercy, the world is dead. This would help you and I as God's church, if we would approach this world as this dead. has no life. The Bible also tells us that we're strange. if you're a Christian, you're a stranger in this world. Now, this without grace and mercy, the world is dead. So you and I as a church have a responsibility to take life to those who are dead. Say, Pastor, what can you do about it? I can only tell them about grace and mercy and what God will do for them. We have to preach the gospel with the power of the Spirit of God, and, and these Spirit can convict the heart of a dead man, and that dead man can be quickened just as you and I have been quickened. But we must understand without grace and mercy, the world is dead. Statement number two, without grace and mercy, the world... And by the way, let me back up number one. That's why we don't get involved in social causes. The social gospel of the day. You say, well, pastor, what are we going to do about this and this? The the Bible teaches us that if you see somebody who needs a cup of cold water, give it to them. But he tells the church to organize and go give the gospel. The Bible says, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do. Not the church's hand findeth to do. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do. Do with all thy might. The church has been told to give the gospel. Why? Because... The world without grace and mercy is dead. Statement number two. Without grace and mercy, the world is children of disobedience. I've already mentioned this, but you and I need to be reminded that we are living among the spiritually dead. Notice what verse two says. Wherein in time past, ye walked according to the course of this world. A dead man acts like a dead man. An unsaved man, it's all about this world. Again, that's why, as Christians, we don't pattern everything after those according to this world. They have no understanding of the heavenly places. Walks according, walk, uh, uh, where in a time past we walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the earth asked the question, why are people acting like they're acting? Now, again, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just telling you what I have learned from my study according to the scripture. It's become, and I don't think anybody in here would disagree with me. What we see happening in our own country in this world It is obvious that the prince of the power of the air is pulling the strings. He's in power, I'm going to say it, in the Democrat Party. He's in power in the Republican Party. He's in power in Hollywood. He's in power at Disney. He's in power in the public school system. He's in power in the secular colleges. He's in power in our structure. He's always, well, America was founded as a Christian nation. It was. But this was written many, many years before America was founded. He's always been in power. But as the Bible reveals to us, the closer we get to Christ returning, he manifests himself more. They walk according to this world spirit that now worketh, that spirit's working, isn't he, in the children of disobedience. This is a, this is a practical matter, but I think it'll be helpful. The devil is not going to come and try and destroy this world wearing a red suit, a fork tail, and carrying a pitchfork. Say, so, well, how is he, how is he working? Watch the Bible carefully. That now worketh in the children of disobedience. He's doing a work in his children. That work of disobedience. Who are they disobeying? God. In other words, because he the, the world is being led by his spirit, they're dead. It's the spirit of The principle there is leading them in their disobedience. That's why we're paying the consequences in America of the compromise of generations past of getting away from preaching the gospel, getting away from the Great Commission, getting away from taking the gospel to a dead world. Without grace and mercy, the world is full of children of disobedience. So, so very practically, how do we flip that? More dead people need to be given life. If he's got fewer children to work through, his work can advance. Likewise, if our Heavenly Father has more children who are saved, have life, Taking grace and mercy to this dead world, and more quickened, there are more children right. of God now telling others who have been are children of disobedience how they can be a child of God. That's how the world has changed. Right. Without grace and mercy, the world is children of disobedience. This, this will help. This will remind you and I of what we were before we said. I'm glad I got saved. As, I'm thankful I got saved as a child Amen. because of what it saved me from. Now, if that's your testimony, you still should be thankful that God saves you. That's my testimony. I'm thankful for that. But at the same time, I'm reminded of the world that I was part of. I'm, I'm reminded of how do we make this difference? This is grace and mercy. Statement number three. Without grace and mercy, man lives by lust. Look at verse number three again. Fulfilling Notice conversation in times past, among whom also we had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Whatever the flesh wants, I want to obtain it. The lust of the flesh rules, no restraint. By the way, I'll say it again, Christian, why do we want to pattern ourselves after this? And by the way, we ought to get this thought, these thoughts out of our mind. Well, if I want it, I ought to have it. That's the way the children of disobedience live. Right. Right. You ever, how many of you have well-behaved children? You have well-behaved children. Okay, you liars. You know, you know, you have well-behaved children. Maybe you can relate to this. Well, you, you have all the patterns. You have all the rules. Your child is, and they may, they may, may be. But then they go over to somebody else's house. Named grandma and grandpa. No, but that's a different illustration. And he's like, you were so well behaved before you got around those other kids. You're not going over there again. Okay. Mom and dad, I think that's a good practice. If your kids can't behave and there's something about doesn't mean those bad kids are of the devil necessarily, it just means that they shouldn't be around because they don't behave. Let's go through your Facebook. How about that work party? Anyway, I'm I'm, I'm meddling now. We're copying those who live by the lust of the flesh. We justify it by a lost world living like lost people. Without grace and mercy. But you and I, we know. We know because the Bible teaches us. We know because there's wisdom we've obtained. We know because of the work that Christ has done in us. Where that lust takes man what it does to a marriage, what it does to a home, what it does to a nation, what it does to a world, what it does to a life. Without grace and mercy, that's all we have to hope. We better as preachers get back to preaching a gospel by grace and mercy and and putting putting lost people on the spot and saying you must choose Christ or you have no hope. Otherwise, they're just going to keep walking according to the lust of their flesh and their mind. And that's the way the world is going to continue to go. It's a matter of life and death. Then statement number four, without grace and mercy, the world is children of wrath, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. A child of wrath did not have to learn how to be a child of wrath. Just as a sinner didn't have to learn how to be a sinner. The Bible tells us that by one man's sin passed down to every man. So, so, we're born sinners. Now, you and I may be saved today, but you weren't always that way. Before grace entered your life, before God's mercy did its work, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, according to the Bible. You and I were, we had no hope. We were a child of wrath, meaning that we were waiting On the judgment of God. Because God will judge sin. That will be a sobering thought. Because of what awaited you. When you made that decision to trust Christ. You were deciding. For your eternity. The wrath that every child awaits. A friend, this ought to soften your heart and my heart. It ought to capture your heart and my heart. As you drive home today, you're going to drive by not just people who are dead. They live of another world. They're being led by spirit of the devil. But all they have to look forward to is God's judgment. Young people, listen very carefully. This is good good for everybody. Do not idolize those in this world. The influencers of today, let me tell you, if they don't have Jesus, what they're waiting on. All they have to hope for and look forward to is the judgment of God. Don't look at what this world dangles out and say, hey, look at what we have to offer and and look at what you can be and look at all these things because they're just waiting for the judgment of God. And one day... God's wrath will be poured out on this world. One day, every man who rejected Christ and who followed that spirit is going to stand before Jesus, and he, he's going to be judged by his sins. Without grace and mercy, the world is children of wrath. So what are we to do about it? Aren't you glad somebody told you about God's grace? That's what we do about it. We never stop telling people about God's grace. God's mercy. Well, Pastor, are, you, are you, ups- you just don't seem to be upset at this world? That's probably not even the right word. I don't get upset at people for acting like this is their nature. I must say it never bothers me. I get upset at people who that's not their nature, who act their nature. Friend, you and I must be faithful to give and tell others about the grace of God. Really, to put in context, certainly there's so much doctrine that we've looked at the last few weeks. and We cannot ignore that. But Paul is reminding the church here of many things. But one thing, and I focused on it this morning, is don't forget what you were. Christian, don't get so big for your britches, as the old saying goes. Get so puffed up in your own pride. Look what I've become. Look at the workmanship that I've become, that we forget that there's a dead world out there. Unless they experience the grace of God and the mercy of God, they will die and go to a devil's hell. That is why you and I must be busy telling people about the grace of God. If somebody asks you to work tomorrow, what would you do today? They say, I went to church. So let me tell you what the pastor preached on. God's grace. God's mercy. Be quick to tell people that you're saved. Oh, so and so, why don't you get so caught up? Because I'm not of this world. All these Prophetic things that are coming to to, to pass. Don't forget, Christian, everything that you see and you say, well, that's the Bible teaches that. Don't forget for for all those things. We're not going to be here. We need to be telling everybody about God's grace and mercy. Because you don't want to be left in this world. Without the spirit. And that's what's going to take place. When God raptures his church, this world who is governed by the spirit of the prince of the power of the air, God's going to remove his spirit. There'll be no conviction. There'll be no quickening. It'll just be the wrath of God. Friend, if you don't know that you're saved, if you have doubts about that, get that settled today. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. Maybe that makes you uncomfortable because it's pointed this morning. Let me help you with that. Everybody else in here who would now say I'm saved on my way to heaven before they experienced the grace of God was dead in their trespasses of sins. What you do with God's grace is a matter of life and death. I pray that you've already... Done with God's grace, what is necessary for salvation. But if you haven't, I trust that you'll let the message today, the Spirit of God work in your heart. Make that decision today. You can come into this church dead, but you can go out alive. You can come in being part of this world, but you can leave being a citizen of another. You can walk in being led by the spirit of this world, but it's the spirit of God that's speaking to your heart. It's the spirit of God that's putting you under conviction. It's the spirit of God that's telling you everything that man is saying from that book is truth. You may not understand it, but you can, be, you can leave being made alive by the spirit of God this morning. And Before you leave today, your nature can be changed. You can come in a child of wrath, but you can leave a child of God. I trust you'll allow the Spirit to work in your heart. Father, we pray this morning that you would use the message today. Father, once again, we must humble ourselves and be reminded that without your grace and mercy, we'd be without hope. I pray this morning that you would use the message in the heart of the Christian to be reminded of what we were but also to be reminded of what this world is. And this world can be changed by your grace and by your mercy. Father, we know not everyone is going to accept Christ. But may we be mindful that there's many who will. May we be busy. May we realize it's a matter of life and death. And I pray for the one this morning who may not know Where they would spend eternity except for what they've been told this morning if they're honest they would admit that they're not ready to meet God and oh as the two worlds are contrasted the spirit of God showed them the world that they were still bound in they're dead in their trespasses and sins but today they experience the quickening eternal life may your work be done this morning their heads bowed this morning. I want to first ask a question. I've already asked it this morning, but who would be reminded this morning and who would say, Pastor, I know without any doubt at all, I know that I'm ready to meet God because I was dead. I was quickened by his grace. Pastor, I am 100% sure. on my way to heaven when I die. If you would slip your hand up this morning, all over the building, wonderful, wonderful sight. You can put your hand down. I wonder who would be honest with me just for a moment. Perhaps there's someone in the service this morning. I'm aware that there's many watching by live stream, perhaps even listening by radio this morning. I wonder who would be honest today. And say, Pastor Neil, I I'm not ready to meet God. According to what the Bible says, I'm dead in my sins. According to what the Bible says, I, by nature, I'm a child of wrath. I'm lost without God just awaiting his judgment. Friend, I, this Bible also says, by his grace are you saved. I wonder if there'd be one in the service this morning and say, Pastor, if I'm honest, I'd have to say I'm not ready to to meet God because I'm not 100% sure I'm on my way to heaven. But I'd like for you to pray for me this morning. If there's anybody at all, just slip your hand up. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not for certain. I'm saved. Thank you. In just just a moment, we're going to stand to our feet and, Christian, let's be reminded of what God's grace has done for us. Let's also be prompted and reminded that we live in a dead world. I have to remind myself of this, that we live amongst people who don't know the Lord. I, like you, get frustrated, even disgusted by the things that go on in this world. But we must be reminded there's a spirit working in the children of disobedience. They must get the gospel. May we be thankful for what Christ has done for us. May we be mindful that there's a world who needs the gospel. However he leads you this morning, I pray that you will follow his leading. We stand this morning.